In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Yeah, this is the remix. Come on now.
don't get some sort of unadulterated joy by hearing Little John mixed with Simon and Garfunkel, I don't know what to tell you. you I mean, you might be lost. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Welcome to your Thursday episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey, folks. I, God, man, I, I love, I love match. I love music so much. Oh, I was, you know, when I, I was listening to that full thing and um, I was listening to that back and I was just picturing us like Friday after work, like a rooftop, like, you know, either I read this beautiful short story back in the day. God, it's probably been 20 years now. It was just a really simple short story about um, a couple friends getting off work and then going up to their roof and having gin and tonics and watching over the city as the sun went down on a Friday, knowing that the whole weekend was ahead of you. I think that's there's something so romantic about that. There's also something so romantic to me always about music. You guys know at this point how much I love music, but I always I geek out about that thought of just like I man, I would love if we could just grab a drink, glass of wine, whatever, and we all just throw music back and forth. I'm not trying to be like too hippy dippy right now, but you know what I'm saying? Like there is such power in music. I I wish I wish I could really play an instrument and I wish I could dance. Like that dance, you know, what do they use that that thing that used to be popular dance like no one's watching? Like that doesn't even do, you know, like, yeah, I can dance like no one's watching, but I still know I dance shitty, you know, like dance like no. The point is to dance good. Like I can't imagine having kind of that like when you know you're a good dancer, the kind of freedom like there's freedom in talent. You know, if you have freedom over your, your sense of dance or you have freedom over playing an instrument, you you know, like that is just that's got to be pure joy when you have control over some sort of instrument. I guess the only thing I have, I mean, it's just this podcast, Mike, at this point, right? I can just whip this out at any point and talk for a couple hours. Uh, how are you guys doing? Did you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills tonight? It's Wednesday night. It's Kathy night. Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, you guys, what is going on? Oh, my God. It's funny when a true tragedy and a crisis comes out. It really kind of brings out the worst in a lot of these ladies. <laughs> and you've realized that potentially a lot of them are horrible. I And it just paints. Did you hear what Dorit said about her staff? <laughs> I cannot wait to do the recap as always for you on Friday. A lot of people wrote in, please do it uh, today, Thursday. I just can't do it. You guys, uh, it's, it's, um, it's 1230, I guess on Thursday morning, um, 1230. And I got to just put this out. I'm going to do maybe a couple bits, but I am, I am just beat. The thing is, as, as things get busy, I mean, it's really, really cool, but like, I had to watch fifty the final Fifty Shades of Grey uh, movie because I've been me and Annabelle DeSisto do those movie recaps and it's been like I, we've I've been putting the third one off, so I finally watched this today because I'm on a podcast with her tomorrow and it's like it it tickles me to no end that I'm getting stressed out about a Fifty Shades of Grey movie that I'm like ah oh, I've got to watch this I've got to take detailed notes. Like, what is this? It's like, God's like, is this your dream? Really, Ryan? Is this what it was all? Okay. No, cool. No, I think it's cool. Anyways, I'm going to give this uh, Jimi Hendrix guy the talent of the guitar. You're going to, I guess, do your little pop culture mic thing. But yeah, I watched the full 50, the last 50 Shades, uh, Shades of Grey movie. And you can uh, see my, I, I, I took you guys along on that journey with my Instagram stories. You can follow me over there. I'm going to make a highlight reel of that. All of my... Fifty Shades of Grey movie um, 
<laughs> viewing my one man band viewing parties are on there. If you guys want to go back and track, cause I'd never seen this movie before and it's absolute trash. You guys, I've never, I love, I was just thinking of the thought of like couples that are like, I guess they're both arguably attractive, right? The 50 shades, shades of gray actors. Uh, you got, uh, what's her name? Ellen. That's not right. Ellen. That's not true. What's her name? Uh, dates, Chris Martin. I saw her boobs a lot in the 50 shades of gray movie. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's Melanie Griffith's daughter and Don Johnson. Dakota Johnson. You know what I love about this? We're such good friends now, you guys, that I don't even, I won't even edit that out. <laughs> I'll just let you guys go on that journey of uh, trying to figure that name out. Anyways, yeah, decent looking people, right? This couple in that, this movie has no chemistry. And they're like, he keeps saying in every scene, like there's a sex scene in the last movie, like every nine minutes. And I feel like that's too much. Uh, but he's like, you're driving me crazy. Oh, I'm the luckiest man in the world. And I was like, I have, I, 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 I kept thinking like, I'm glad you guys like each other because I hate both of you. Like, I don't like, there's not a part of me. Like I was thinking about that concept of. Okay, I know a lot of ladies and I know a lot of gay men actually listen to the show, which is fucking awesome. What up? Um, but I okay, so let me take you into the mind of a 13-year-old heterosexual boy. So we just were trying to see as many boobs as we could. You know, like that was the deal, like boobs and butts. And um, like we used to have this thing, you guys, back in the old days. It was like a cable box and you could like tune in. Like you'd have to tune it in. So it was all these zigzag pat patterns. Like, so HBO and all that stuff was like all like zigzags unless you had paid the money for HBO. So you would kind of see a picture or like, so what we would do like Cinemax, we'd call it Skinemax, LOL, is you would like, they'd have like the dirtier movies on at night. And, you know, if you were like a slumber party with like guy friends, you'd be like, hey, let's try to see a boob. And you would see like half a boob on the top left and then like half on the top, the bottom right. And you'd be like, damn, this is really living right now. <laughs> We're really doing it. But I was thinking if I had seen the 50 shades of gray movies when I was a kid, I would have been like, keep it. I don't, this isn't hot. Like I even knew like this is, it was so not hot. You guys, somebody said, um, as, uh, one of my friends said, she saw all of the movies in the theater. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask her more about that. I think I just, I have to, because I don't know. I don't know what possesses you to keep coming back. Or is it just, is it masochism? Is it like, you know, like I, I, I got, I got to see where this romance goes. This is, this is good stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So real houses of Beverly Hills will be on Friday. 50 shades of gray recap. The third one will be out. I think next week with Annabelle DeSisto, I'm recording it tomorrow as well as I will be recording the real housewives of Beverly Hills recap. Not a lot of Erica this week. And you know what I, I got to say? good you know what is it's like yeah let's not burn her out she's coming back next week let's let these ladies do what they do it's just a mess and oh my god you guys i really highly recommend watching watch what happens live after beverly hills if you didn't because they got visited by the joker lisa renna was on and i uh 
I don't want to spread any rumors, but I don't know if she was like gone skiing, if there was like snow in New York tonight, but like something, and I'm not even like, like watch it, you guys, something's going on. Like that's, that's not a healthy lady. That is so far beyond the pale, but I will say, I will say this about Lisa, and this is big of me to say, she really is insanely watchable because she drives me insane. Like I appreciate the anger she brings out in me full. Like I appreciate that I need, so I, but she makes me so angry. You guys just so, so angry. I have never seen such a hypocrite in my life when she, uh, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, You guys know what I'm talking about. When she told Garcelle in the beginning, uh, so angry. Also, uh, upon further reflection, Real Housewives of New York on Tuesday sucked just as bad as I said it did on Tuesday. Uh, let's see. I, I sh- No, I can't say that. I will tell you guys that later. And uh, that's it. Yeah, if you want to support the pod, uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts. I hate to keep asking. I try not to ask. I try to ask like one or two times a week now, but it really does help. And it's a really quick thing that you can do. You can just go hit that five star on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. I can. Uh, it's the reason why one of the big reasons why I was with iHeart. Uh, radio is that they saw that a lot of people liked the show and like were really nice about the show. So it really does. If you think it doesn't matter, that is not correct. Thank you so much. If you want to go get more episodes, go over to the Patreon. I think it's five bucks a month for extra episodes. And uh, am I selling anything else? No. Uh, I wish you guys were here just to take take over the mic right now. Uh, what do we want to do? We just go into the interview and just, I call it a day or do we, this is where I love Howard Stern. Cause he always had Robin to bounce off of Robin is, you know, kind of his sidekick and was, has been with him from the beginning. If you guys don't listen to Stern, uh, I just think he's one of the best interviewers out there, but I always love that he could like kick it to her and she could like fill in. So like right now I'm really, I've been, I feel like I've been tired now for like 10 days in a row. And I just want sleep, but I also really want, ah, but I also really want to talk about she's all that because damn it. Do we just do it? Here's the, let me take you in behind the podcast. Cause I do all my own editing too. So what I'm about to talk about, that means I have to then put in the audio clip of what I want to talk about. And then we're going to talk about another audio clip from the first movie that I need to talk about. Do I just do it? Do I just throw caution to the... uh... So this is the trailer called He's All That instead of She's All That. Very clever. Gender bending. We love it. This will be on Netflix in a couple of weeks. And the star of this movie in the Freddie Prinze Jr. role from She's All That will be the one and only legend TikTok star addison ray so i think you can kind of i'm going to play the audio of the trailer i'll probably cut in a couple of times for the good parts and um i think you can understand what's happening but this is netflix's new revamp reboot whatever you want to call it he's all that and action we're live here and surprise we're on the set of my boyfriend's brand new music video what are you doing? Okay, let's not freak out. What did you do to me? We're over, okay? Hedges! You're still alive. Oh, shit! First off, so Addison 
I guess her boyfriend, she walks in on him cheating and she's like live on Instagram and everybody sees her wig out, which is like, whoa, like, you know, she's all that. The original, they didn't have Instagram or going live back then. So that happens. But also how ballsy of this preview in the music, you hear the, oh shit, come on, you guys, this is no, no, no. If I had kids, they're not, they're not putting this on netflix uh okay so that's what that's the establishing uh plot of the story she sees her boyfriend cheating on her breakups are hard i was humiliated you're going viral in the wrong way you're going viral in the wrong way ladies and gentlemen welcome to the screen courtney kardashian is in this movie you're going viral in the wrong way, I am Courtney Kardashian. Where are my kids today? <laughs> I was shocked, though. Like, no, hats off to Courtney because she was not eating out of a plastic uh, salad container. So that's that's huge. That I was like, oh, my God, is this Marlon Brando? This is really good. It will get better. Makeovers are my thing. When I first met him, he was 120 pounds of bad hair. Why don't you just make another Jordan? I will create the next prom king. You make it sound so easy. You don't think I can do it? No, but I do think it'll be fun watching you try. A bet? I'm in. Just so you don't make it too easy on yourself, we'll pick the guy. Hell yeah, that's right. What about him? Cameron Queller, I think. He is a total disaster. Weird. Antisocial. I don't want to stare at your underwear while I eat. Dirt bags. Oh. Great. So I hate movies like this. The concept is, you know, it's either the wrong girl or the wrong guy from the like, I mean, the girl or the guy from the wrong side of the tracks. That's really ugly looking. But the thing with I hate with all these movies is you can tell you're like, no, it's not ugly. They just have bad hair. Like, the, oh, he's wearing a wig. You know, like Ali Sheedy and The Breakfast Club. Oh, God, if you guys don't know The Breakfast Club, come on. What are we even doing here? John Hughes films. Go do your research. They're amazing. Um, but the whole thing is like, like what I want to like cast a butt ugly person in some of these roles. And like that would be the challenge. But this guy, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just like a kid with a bad wig on. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, guess what? I, I saw Can't Buy Me Love when I was a kid thinking that I could like turn myself into a cool guy. Turns out when I cut my hair, I was even uglier. Like that's, that's not even, I was like, I needed my hair just to be like barely passable. These movies really screw us over in so many ways. So basically she goes and she's like, oh, I, you know, I can make anybody uh, school famous. Oh, what about that ugly guy? And she's like, oh no, that's going to be a challenge. And then, and guess what happens, you guys? I think they fall in love. Hey, I was hoping I could take a writing lesson this morning, and I figured since you and I are friends... Uh, friends? In the sense that we go to school together. Kind of a loose definition, don't you think? <laughs> Not bad. You really can't enjoy this without sharing it with, like, 500 strangers. Just capturing the moment. Oh, I like it. Disgusting! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who's the new guy? A little scruffy, but cute. Just wait until I'm done with his makeover. He's definitely not what I expected. So kiss me. There's more to you than what you let everyone see. And what if I like it that way? Kiss me. You're falling for our little project. Things aren't always the way they seem. So I was a bet. You can all go to hell. Oh, yeah! 
screwed up, Mom. It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Things with Padgett may have gotten a little more complicated than I thought. So kiss. Oh my God, you guys, I was a little kid when the first cheese all that came out and that it was uh, that kiss me song sixpence none the richer I believe was the band that did that and it was so this is like an EDM version of kiss me ding 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 ding. Also, if you hear like a light snoring in the background, that's my little dog Brooklyn who's still with me. She's like a little bread box between my legs right now and it's it's awesome like um, she goes back to her mom tomorrow, but she's been so good. And uh, she's just been great, and it's been really nice to have. I love that I'm talking like she's going to hear the podcast. Uh, Brooke, if you're listening to this, really loved having you. It's just really amazing to have you between my legs right now. Um, she like just like kind of camps between my legs and snores, and it's like a little – I always just like a little bread box. Um, okay, I've obviously talked too much. Um, so th- that's he's all that, the Netflix thing. Um yeah, I mean, it's like a pretty cut and paste thing. The real thing that everybody's going to be watching out for is if Addison Ray can pull this off. Now, this isn't like, you don't have to go to Julia. This isn't Hamlet. I mean, this is, you know, she does all those goofy dances she steals from uh, uh, from African-American ladies. So why she should be able to do this, no problem. I'm sure she had an acting coach and she has, you know, I guess charisma from what the younger kids say. I haven't seen that, but. So, I mean, this should be a fun, easy watch, right? Now, do you want to... Let's compare it with the She's All That trailer from 1999. Zach Seiler had it all. How's it going, man? President of his class, captain of the team, and dating the most popular girl in school until she went on spring break. So I've been dancing for maybe five minutes, right? And that's when it happened. I'm Brock Hudson! Brock is from the real world. Like the TV show, okay? But they kicked him out of the house. My condolences go out to Zach, who got dissed and dismissed by his magically delicious girlfriend. In order to save his reputation, he's taken on an impossible bet. I'll pick the girl. And you got six weeks to turn her into the prom queen. Gentlemen, we have a winner. You call off the bet, you lose. I don't lose. So, Lanny, listen. I was wondering if maybe you'd want to... Embarrassed me horribly in front of all these people. So uh, who's the lucky rebound girl? She kind of blew me off. I like her already. Was this some kind of new dork outreach program? Find out where she hangs out, what she does for fun. (laughs) Don't tell me you guys are on a date. No, we're just friends. I feel just like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, you know, except for the whole hooker thing. To everyone here who matters, you're vapor. I forgot why I avoided places like this and people like you. Am I a bet? Am I a stupid bet? This is one contest you're gonna lose. It's going down, man. Jesse, am I kissable? But now he's about to realize that she's a whole lot more than he bargained for. She doesn't like her million-dollar makeover or her overnight popularity. What is it? That's, that's not the point, man. I cared about her. So kiss me. Why'd you really come here, Zach? I forget. So kiss me. She's all that. Kiss me. Down. 
oh, come on. That had so much more charm and personality than that first preview. I My favorite part of that, you know what my favorite part is? Is the, the old school voiceover actor in movies of like, Zack Seiler thought he had it all until he woke up with three butts. <laughs> Zack Seiler thought he had it all until... <laughs> Zack... Zach, 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 Zach Seiler thought he had it all until I don't even know why this is so funny. Zach Seiler thought he had it all until he realized he was born without a penis. Zach Seiler thought he had it all until he found out he was a shitty kisser. Zach Miramax Miramax Movies presents Zach Zach Siler thought he had it all until he found out he was an asshole. I like it. He goes, the mo- Will Zach get the girl? Find, find, find out. And she's all that. Oh. <laughs> Zack Siler thought he had it all until he realized he had three nipples. <laughs> Zack Siler thought he had it all until he found out Addison Ray was going to play him in the reboot. Okay, this isn't even funny. I'm just slap happy. Zack Siler thought he had it all. Until he worked on a podcast all night long and didn't have a, didn't get proper sleep. Zach Siler thought he had it all. <laughs> Why? What is this God voice? Who's talking? Zach Siler thought he had it all. Okay, I, I have nothing. I have nothing. Okay, but that was really cute and charming, right? I just forgot. Like Usher was even in that. Usher was in that. Paul Walker, rest in peace, was in that. Matthew Lillard from Scream was in that. What a iconic movie. But there is one scene in this movie that might be the greatest scene of any movie ever. It's probably also the greatest sports scene I've ever seen in a movie. Also... Uh, It's very artistic and very deep, and it just has a message. And, of course, if you have not seen this movie, I'm about to play my favorite scene from the movie. But I know all you guys are probably have the same favorite scene. And, of course, that is the hacky sack scene. There is a scene in She's All That where Freddie Prince Jr. has to perform a monologue. And he performs a monologue about Hacky Sack. But it's not just about Hacky Sack, if you catch my drift. So here is one of my favorite monologues. And just picture it. It's it's like a little theater space. There's some people. Rachel Lee Cook is watching. And my man, Freddie Prince Jr., gets up there with a Hacky Sack. How's it going? (laughs) 
since this is an audio podcast, let me, he pulls out a hacky sack and it's, it's in his right hand and he's flipping it on his palm and then to the top of his hand. Very simple movement. It's a hacky sack. Like so, he's like kicking it with his little 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 legs and his feet. He's like hack e sack, don't let it trap. Bounce, 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 and you just know because they have a camera on Freddie Prince Jr.'s face, and then you can tell somebody else is doing like the leg the the hacky sack moves. They don't really show his face in the moves, so it's like they cut to legs that you know aren't Freddie Prince Jr.'s, and then they cut to his face, and you always feel bad for him as an actor because he's like trying to really show us he's hacky sacking. He's like uh, uh, hack e sack. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't know if you guys know, there's a lot of grunting in hacky sacks. Gotta keep bouncing. Can't let it drop. Never let it drop. Come on, Jack. Everyone's watching. Expect it. Never let it drop. Like, this is an actual movie. This is in this movie where it's like, uh, uh, and like, there's like shots of the audience and they're like, damn, that boy's good. You get a shot of Rachel Lee Kirk and she's looking at the audience like, wow, they're really enjoying this. And like the footwork and it's like, never let drop, can't drop. And I, you know what? I don't, you know, I think there's a deeper meaning here, folks. I think it's like about the pressures in life. You got to keep everything going. So many balls in the air, right? So many balls in the air, like a hacky sack. Come on, hack. He goes, come on, hack. Come on, hack. Let's do this. Don't let, uh, uh, uh. And then, like, he, like, he's, like, flipping around. He's like, uh, ja, guh, uh, uh. Like, Hacky Sack, I just remember, it's like Tetherball. Do you guys, did you guys play Tetherball in elementary school? It was just one of those games where it was like, come on, this is barely a game. Like, it's bare, like, and of course, part of me saying that is just because I was never good at it. But it's like, okay, you know what else is a fun game? Any other game out there. Like, Hacky Sack and Tetherball, are, those aren't real games. Come on. Everyone's counting on you, Zach. Don't let it drop. Don't ever let it drop. It just dropped.
sooner or later, it has to drop. Zach Seiler thought he had it all until he tried to keep his until he tried to keep a hacky sack in the air for two minutes. <laughs> that was so stupid. Zach Seiler did hacky sack in front of a room full of people. In a world where Zack Siler rules hacky sack. No, uh, so yeah, it drops and everybody's like, whoa, damn. And I remember seeing this and I swear to God, you guys, I I almost, like I thought it would have been the funniest thing to use this as an audition monologue. So when I was in college, like in the, when I was, um, there was like a point where I might've gone to grad school. I was like auditioning and I, didn't, I wound up going to LA instead the grad school of life. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I came in and did that hacky sack monologue, <laughs> but I just wasn't good at, ha- I couldn't do hacky sack at all. Uh, my legs are just too strong and powerful to lift that many times. But, um, I just thought like, wouldn't that be funny if you were like, I'll be doing two uh, pieces. I'll be doing uh, uh, Julius, uh, Mark Antony from Julius Caesar, uh, friends, Roman countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The good that men do is often turd with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. Like I would do like the Shakespearean monologue and then it'd be like, and my second monologue is from She's All That. I'll be playing the role of Zack Siler. Don't uh, let uh, it uh. Did you hear how out of breath he was too at the end? He's like, drop. Oh, sorry, Brooke. I just woke my dog up. Sorry. Yeah, just being goofy. Um, yeah, baby. (laughs) Okay. So that that's my favorite in She's All That. If you haven't seen She's All That in a while, I highly recommend that movie. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a He's All That. Uh, viewing party over on the Patreon or something. I just think that's, you know, you gotta, we, we know we're, we're fans of this shit. Like, you know, you got, we all watch this, but it's like, these are, you, you, I just hope he's all that actually is good trash. Like she's all that was for that time period. There's just no way, but like, you do want that thing for the generation. Just how I was talking about John Hughes films, John Hughes, you guys was one of the best writers and directors of the eighties, but he wrote for a very specific audience. And that was teens, but he wrote it with like a certain panache and a certain style and a certain gravitas that kind of spoke to what it meant to be a teen, what, what the pain behind being a teen was, and also what joy and humor there was. And just also just a great mo- The man knew how to write uh, movies that had a great soundtrack. I mean, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, uh, 16 Candles, uh, so many uh, Pretty in Pink. I mean, he just... And also, he went on to do Home Alone and Baby's Day Out and all of these. He even was a right. He wrote Mr. Mom with Michael Keaton. He wrote National Lampoon's Vacation. Just amazing. But the guy had a lot of heart, you could tell. And that's why when I was a teen, those movies got passed around. I remember my dad made me watch The Breakfast Club for the first time. And I thought that was super, super cool. But you want really good teen movies for teens. You want them to feel like there's they have a voice i I hope that i hope i hope 
it's still movies instead of just YouTube. But anyways, I wanted to play that because I was just, I, I, I saw that trailer last week and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. And it just, I have been thinking about that. I think about that hacky sack scene so many times every year. Um, okay, you guys, that is enough. I got to get to bed, but I want to leave you in the good hands with a great interview. Um, I, uh, I got the opportunity to interview this next uh, gentleman, uh, Lo Von Rumpf. Um, his last name is just amazing, but he is a stylist and also he is a damn good podcaster. His podcast is called The Low Life, and we talk all about it. We talk about styling, we talk about artistic, like you know where how he got to be where he's at, and what I what I've been talking about this week. This week kind of has a theme for me uh, in some ways, and it's about kind of like a little left of center, uh, you know, not your, you know, somebody that's in a reality show right now, somebody that has like the DNA where like he has ties to like Caitlin Bristow uh, from The Bachelorette this season and all of these amazing people. But I love the art in him, if that makes sense. Like you'll, and he's just such a good guy and you'll get that vibe. But I checked out his podcast too, and it was really great. And I was thinking about this when I was taking a shower today. I was thinking I'm so sometimes shy in my real life. And if I'm texting with you, texting is easier because it's easier to put on a facade when you're texting. But I get really scared in person. I've said this many times. I get really nervous. And I do this where I can see them on Zoom. And it's it's like the one time where like for that hour, I don't have to be nervous you know, it's like somebody has to talk to me. I mean, they don't have to, but I get to talk to somebody really fascinating, really interesting. And I can hope I can convey that to you guys as well. But it's like, I get to pretend like I'm not myself, you know, I'm myself, but I'm like the best version of myself. But in real life without a microphone or something, I get really nervous. Like I, I can be quippy and smart on over text or, or, you know, social media, but it, it's really hard in person. Cause I'm just there like sitting and judging everything I do say how I look and all that. But these interviews are just so fun because I get to talk to the best people. Like this dude is so awesome. And where in my life would I have bumped into him? I shop mainly at old Navy. This guy is dope as hell. And you're going to love him. I really do hope you like this conversation because I just thought it was so positive And it's so cool to hear somebody else's stories of how they got to where they are. And we touch on everything. We touch on his, uh, his clients, his podcast. Like I said, how he came up, how he dealt with the pandemic, his love life. I mean, really, it was a re it's a really great interview. And I want you to go check out his podcast because it really actually, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts anymore and I got really sucked in. So without further ado, here is our guest, Lo Von Rumpf, and I will talk to you guys on Friday with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap. Talk to you then. Bye. You guys, I am so excited for my next guest. Now, you know, I don't have any kind of personal style. I'm an old Navy man myself, and I am so in awe slash jealous uh, of the people that do. And we have somebody today that actually does this for a living, a celebrity stylist, if you, uh, if you will. He works in the entertainment music industries, and he's the host of his own pod, which I just listened to, and it is really damn good. I always go into these things, listen and go, let's see what this guy has to offer. And then when it's good, I get really like immediately jealous. And this is really good, you guys. I know you guys specifically would dig this. So some of his uh, styling clients include Janet Kramer, who we know, and of course, 
the host of this season of The Bachelorette, and she's already been hired for the next season we've been talking about all season, Caitlin Bristow, um, who is amazing. I got to talk to this guy about his whole career, but I also want to highlight his podcast called The Low Life, where he explores whatever is on his mind. And you know, that sounds like, oh, that could go anywhere, but it does. And in the best way, I'm telling you guys, I was immediately hooked. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Lo Von Rumpf. Welcome to the show. Wow, he got the name right too. I oh, yeah, guys, yeah. you know they know how hard I am with the names. Like I always end up stuttering or something. Do you ever get like that with like do you ever get nervous podcasting? Uh I guess sometimes I get a little I get a little nervous just in the first like 5 minutes especially if I've never met the person. Thankfully <laughs> on on my podcast, it's most of the guests I have are people that I've worked with, I know personally. Uh, but I'm episode 43 in. Uh, so once we, I think once we get to episode 60, I'm going to have to start going to people I've never met before. <laughs> oh, well, this is a, this is a warm up for that. We're going in completely cold, you guys. So this is, yeah, these I've are never two, met you in my life. Two professionals. Well, I was listening to the Caitlin Bristow uh, pod, who you obviously work with and are good friends with. And oh, you yeah. immediately, she said she would poop in front of you. Yeah, she has taken a shit in front of me. Oh, am I allowed to curse on this one? Should I bleep those? What if I was like, no, goodbye, Lo. No, shit. yeah, no, no, you're all okay. good. No, please. Okay. Yeah. No, I just sometimes uh, I have a bit of a gutter mouth. No, that's we love that here. That is this okay. is the gutter mouth podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I guess I want to find out how you got into podcasting, but even before that, I want to how do you get into styling? Where are you from? What is this? Was this yeah. a dream of yours? Do you fall into it? No, absolutely not. Wasn't a dream at all. Uh, so <laughs> I think that makes for a better story. It's like, I've always wanted to <laughs> I do never this. wanted to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it to this day. No, um, I sometimes I, I always wish that like this was my passion since I was a kid. I've always loved fashion ever since I was just a little shit. I've always been obsessed with clothing and expressing myself through style. Uh, and I, I remember going to kindergarten and I had like a Hello Kitty bag. And, <laughs> and I remember my mom was like, you rock your little Hello Kitty bag, mijo. I'm Hispanic. So my mom's, you know, always throwing the mijos out there. It means like my little son. And so she always encouraged me to express myself and just be who I really am. And it doesn't matter if I'm going to get teased or I don't fit in, which I didn't uh, at all. I was, you know, a little boy rocking a purse and it just, you know, went against the the norm of, of especially in that time. I'm 31. Yeah. Right now. But where, what area were, what, was this in? Oh, I grew up in Orange County, California. Yeah. Perfect. If you're familiar. Yeah. Oh, Real Housewives of Orange County, baby. We're very oh, there you familiar. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I still always go to Orange County. I live in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Uh, are you in LA too? Yeah, I'm just right off Melrose and Fairfax. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in Hollywood. So I, I love being here, but I go back to Orange County probably at least once a week to see my parents. I'm an only child. So I'm super tight to the family. Yeah, I'm that's a, back. the only good thing about the pandemic is that uh, less traffic in LA. Uh, mm -hmm. and that I, well, it's I back now, but yeah, it really is back. You're, you're like, I long yeah. for the days of like heavy pandemic, you know? Yeah. Delta isn't slowing shit down. Uh, there's still lots of traffic oh, now. It's yeah. almost too much traffic, but yeah. you, I mean, so you, you go to school, you learn about your own personal style. And also there's a sense of bravery attached with that, that you sure. actually, you know, I mean, which I'm sure you recognize you're like, I don't necessarily fit in with everybody, but that seems like it might've been a point of pride for you. 
yeah well at the time it wasn't you know I was, <laughs> I was getting my ass kicked um and just the bullying was real you know so i've definitely went through that you know in my early formative years which i think gave me the armor that i need now for life now i if what i went through as a kid and a teenager to where i'm at now um, i get some people that will sometimes say things you know um, that aren't necessarily the kindest things, but it's so hard to break through the thick skin at this point. Cause I've heard it all. Like if you're going to yeah. call me, I hate the word, but if you're going to call me a faggot, like I'm like, Oh my God, that's what a classic. I was hearing that in, you know, did fifth you, grade. Did you see that Matt Damon article last week where he just recently learned not to say the F word? Uh, I did. Cause yeah, I, I was did, like, yeah. wow, Matt, like I knew that, you know, I was like all my best friends in high school were gay. And I always knew back then not to say that. I mean, it was yeah. just like wild. Yeah. I, I mean, his daughter, I guess, was kind of like showing him the light. Of yeah. Like, like dad, this a is bigot. <laughs> wild that you have to be shown. Anyways, anyway, sorry. But you you're, you have a thick skin. Which I is... do have thick skin. And so I guess always kind of developing my personal sense of style, it continued to grow. And uh, and I went to a school that I wore like uniforms, you know, a Catholic school. So I didn't get to express myself too much with a uniform, but I would still try and sneak it in there. I would still, cause like they had rules, like the girls couldn't have their skirts too long um, <laughs> or not too long, too short. The girls couldn't wear short skirts, but they didn't yeah. say anything about the guys. So I'd be rocking little tiny shorts. And I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was you know, giving them the money shot, you know, and uh, all the priests were just like through with me. I'm you got to sure leave all... room for the Holy spirit. Logan. Sure do. Yeah. Sure do. Um, so then I, as a kid, I got into child acting and I did a bunch of uh, stage work uh, with the Los Angeles performing arts center. Uh, so, and I worked in like operas and I was doing a lot of theater kid. Uh, stuff, yeah, yeah. Which was really fun. Uh, and I, so I always was drawn to the industry, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I got to a point where I was in high school and I was always Again, super drawn to fashion. I worked a retail job. I was working like Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, just folding polos and stuff. And and I I just thought, you know what? This is something that I could probably get myself into. And that's when I started watching the Rachel Zoe project. Do you remember? Oh, you had her, oh uh I love that show. Brad yeah. Doreski, Roger. I and you had her on your podcast, actually. Oh, yeah. Rachel came on. We did a, two episodes with her. I mean, she's a she's I mean, that is one of the first reality shows that I kind of fell in love with, which is just like I remember watching every episode of that every season. And Same. I just think she's amazing. So that's, she really is a, a pioneer in the fashion game. And a pioneer in reality shows. She Bravo reality shows, she's a pioneer, like yeah. amazing lady. So we got to see what the world of styling looked like. It was definitely dramatized. And when I talked to Rachel in the interview, I was like, you know, you you really glamorize that styling world, but it's a shit storm. She's like, I know. <laughs> That's like every stylist that has now got to the point where I was at in my career is always like, Rachel, you left a lot of stuff out. It's a tough job um it's not just running around with lattes and oversized sunglasses and you know getting ready for red carpets there's a lot <laughs> that goes into it more than what's shown but you know you got to make a good show uh but it was very full circle moment to have rachel zell on two episodes of the low life podcast that was crazy but i watched the show as a 17 year old and i was doing little modeling gigs and i'm half his uh, not half hispanic i'm 75 percent hispanic with a little splash of german that's where the von rumpf comes from my dad <laughs> His little pin. That's that. a great last name, Von Rumpf. Oh, it it's just sounds, yeah, it's, it's so forceful. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so aggressive. Uh, so I ended up uh, doing little modeling gigs, but at the time, 
it really wasn't the vibe. My look, most people, when they see me, they're like, what are you, Italian? Some people think I'm black. Some people think I'm a mixture of like Lebanese. I look like a bunch of, I guess, uh, culturally ambiguous, if you will. Yeah. Uh, So that wasn't really the vibe back in, what, 2007. They wanted (laughs) corn fed, you know, just Kentucky, blonde hair, (laughs) blue eyes, like Abercrombie and Fitch guys. You know, that was the, that was the, yeah. so that being said, my modeling career was, was not that great. Uh, so I remember I got booked for a denim campaign and I was like, oh my God, I finally booked something. I was with, I think Wilhelmina models at the time. And I booked something and I went and I was just trying it out. And uh, the stylist didn't show up to set and they had all the denim and everything there. product was there, but they had no stylist, the photographer, hair, makeup, everyone's ready to go. But the stylist just, I guess, got the dates mixed up. Who knows what happened? But the photographer was so fed up. And he's like, all right, like, I'm over this. We need to get a stylist in here. So I just kind of just faked it till I made it. And I said, I'm a stylist. I style. I I can do it. He's like, oh, you you work in styling? I'm like, yeah, I do that. That's my part-time job. I never style. (laughs) That's my part-time job. That's I do that on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. My part-time job was watching Rachel's O project. (laughs) By the way, that has to, I mean, if you watch every season of that, that gives you like a year, that's a year's worth of work, right? Uh, Just experience is watching that show. As I said that, I was like, okay, I could do this. And I actually did a pretty good job. Such a good job that uh, the photographer was happy with the denim campaign. And then I ended up, that was my first little, the door had cracked open for me. And that was my little opening to start styling. And he actually called me, I think it was like a month later. And I thought, oh my God, I booked a, a modeling gig. He's like, no, I don't need you to model. I want you to style. I was like, oh, all right, we're doing it. So I kind of fell into it that way, which is, I guess that's the very pinnacle start for me. Uh, and then of course, it took about four or five years of grinding and styling. And I I really threw myself into the industry, uh, styling a lot of free gigs, up and coming actors, whoever I could. Uh, just to, to kind of learn how to put myself out there and, and learn the business of it. It's, I was talking to a stand-up the other day, and we were just kind of talking about how a lot of people have the misconception about Los Angeles and anybody in the entertainment industry that it's just this glamorous thing. But in reality, anybody usually in the Los Angeles on Angeles scene will say what a grind it is. Like you're you're just it grinding it out. Like it is so much money. Work. And no, and that's there's no glamour to it. It's just the perception is glamorous. Yeah, I was eating top ramen. Like I had like Gucci loafers on. You know, I managed to get some of those. Uh, through like a discount of a friend or whatever, but I was eating top ramen and like really struggling. Like it was not a fun part of my life. It's a whole fake it till you make it town until you actually start building that thing. But there's so many years. Fashion industry. Yeah. Like entertainment. You really have to do that Uh, just because people can smell desperation a mile away. That's my whole brand is desperation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when do you start... I mean, you, you started off acting and then the, was there a part where oh, within it, seconds I was like, I'm overacting. That's what I was going to say. Like, when did you, was that like immediately or like, I love doing this or was it like, well, I guess this might be the way the, the river is headed right now. Well, I noticed that in the world of acting, it's just a lifestyle of constant rejection. And that's, I mean, honestly, you get rejected, I'd say 95% of the time. And then oh, that's, you hopefully get, that's, it's like 98, I think, you know, sure. it's, it's yeah. insane. The margins are really small. So, and I had gone through a lot of stuff and I talk about mental health all the time on my podcast, but I, you know, experienced, you know, a, a death very close to me and I was going through a grieving process. All that stuff happens and seasons you in life. But at the same time, I realized 
I'm dealing with so much right now. Don't know if I want to be rejected on this Thursday or like for the rest of my life. I don't know if I want to put myself in that place. I want to take, you know, I guess destiny in my own hands and just grind it out in style. And I still get to work with these actors and singers and, and models, uh, but I don't necessarily have to subject myself to constantly being uh, rejected. Yet you can also bring your kind of artistic flair and what is inside of you and, yeah. and still be a part of that whole, uh, you know, scene. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that's what I did. Uh, I just really grinded it out. I did a bunch. I didn't start making money until five years into it. I was working odds and ends jobs in addition to styling and just trying to network and put myself out there. And, and yeah, and I did, and it took a bit of time, but finally, once you have a book established of like, okay, I've worked with however many people I've done this many photo shoots, I've done a few different covers. I've really put in the work. Well, then when people look at my website or at the time, Instagram wasn't really a thing. It was like MySpace. God, I sound like. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see, we had a, back in our day, we had a top eight. Yeah. Yeah, Back on the Oregon freaking (laughs) trail. My God. But yeah, I, I ended up having just the website was the main thing. Now it's all about Instagram. I don't think anybody goes to my website now. The gram is where every that's like your portfolio. Yeah, I mean, I was on your gram. In fact, I I uh, used to work with Olivia Applegate, who I believe. Oh, I love style. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, what an amazing human she is. But yeah, so you'll get a mixture of uh, memes and funny stuff, but also my my styling work is on there too. And you guys, I'm going to put all that information on the description. So make sure you go check that out once you listen to this. And we always just hit an automatic follow because you got to follow him from this point on. Um, <laughs> yeah. What. Well, so you're so building. Once I had my book developed, yeah, know, on my website and uh, all these shoots, then I could start charging people because th- they didn't need to like test the waters and see if they were interested in working with me. You could see what you're going to get. Look at the product that's on my page. So that's when I can finally start making money. Um, and then it was kind of like a snowball effect. Like you start with one, and you, as long as you go into it with the, the right mentality, I think that people come to Los Angeles or really any industry, but this one really breeds. Uh, people that are just on that come up because they come from whatever town and they only have a certain amount of time and they really want to make it. So I think that hunger, which is awesome to have, but it also, when you go into situations, how is it going to better me? How am I going to get ahead in this? You have to do a paradigm shift, especially when it goes into the entertainment industry, because you just have to think everyone is a narcissist and everyone's a little (laughs) bit selfish. (laughs) As long as you remember that, then when you go into situations knowing how am I going to help you, and, and, and you're going to get something out of it. And then I'll worry about me on the back end. That's how I always approached it. And it, it worked because I went into it. How can I better this producer or better this director or help this actress out? And I went into it with that mentality and people that's contagious because, and it's completely genuine. I really want to, to help people. There's a part of me that loves, I'm a cancer. I'm naturally a little nurture caretaker. So I love that side of it. Uh, but then, but then I end up getting paid in the end. So it's fine, but I go into it with the right intention. And I think people can smell like good intention a mile away. And then it kind of just referrals happen in all of my business to this day, I'd say 99% of my business. And I've been doing well for, you know, knock on wood, doing well, continue to do well uh, for the last decade. And it's all been referrals, all just word of mouth. And you got to work with this guy, or I think he's going to be a good fit for you. It's all been that. Um, I didn't even need to go the agency route, which a lot of stylists or makeup or hair people will do. I didn't need an agency. I'm booking work on my own. I mean, that that is incredible. And it really is. I mean, for any, I mean, 
I started off as an actor out here and uh, most of the jobs I got, whether it be how I met your mother or something was because I knew somebody that, like I knew a writer that referred me to an audition or I knew. Yeah. And, and that's not even a bad thing. I, I some people will be like, oh, but who, you know, is that you still got to show up. You still got to have something you still you they don't just give you the part or give you the so. job. More yeah, so. yeah, you have to play on yourself. referral. If someone says, oh, you're going to love low, he's going to do a great job. Or for you, if you're going to love this actor, he's going to kill it for this role. And then you bomb. It's like you don't want your friend or the referral to look bad. So I think you have to up your game even more so uh, in that sense, because you you really want to, you know, show up for yourself, but also not make your friend look like an idiot for referring you. <laughs> well, I mean, if we if we think about like like the actors, like I'll have these. Sometimes I had a like a big audition and I just screwed it up so hard because I thought so much about this opportunity. Is it the same way with you? Have you had like, man, this one opportunity, I got to get it right. I got to get this one right. And you just didn't nail it like back in your your younger days. Wow. You know, I have to say there are things that I could have done different. I There are things I could have done different. And I will say this much. I didn't. I went into some high pressure situations with some big names at the time <laughs> and it was scary, but I, I nailed it with them. But what yeah. I didn't nail it with was the business side of it. I didn't realize I booked a campaign and I was a, a great relationship. And, and basically how I kind of screwed myself over was I didn't know what the rate was. Nobody talks about how much you should be making. I didn't know what to charge. I just assumed, yeah, this sounds right. I was way undercharging because when I finally did the gig and then I remember a friend of mine, a colleague booked the same exact campaign to style the following year. And I knew what that person was making. And, you know, we talked about, I was like, Oh, well, no wonder they were like, you're incredible. Lo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they got we're going to use you forever. Let's lock in this price right now. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So I, I realized, you know, I kind of screwed myself in that way. That's just inexperience. You know, I had to kind of learn the ropes, but I never had a moment where I was feeling the, the also, I guess for an audition for like an actor going into it, that's an easy thing to bomb because you can get all in your head about it. You're a yeah. performer, but for me, it's like, is if I go into a situation with a client, I'm styling them and I need to freaking nail it, have a home run and the stakes are high. The power is in, in my hands in the sense of I have the garments. I know what I need. My kit's going to be prepared perfectly. I have someone that can help me. I can line everything up for it all to go great. There are outside factors that can affect it, but I really am in the driver's seat in that sense. So I just have to, you know, kind of have all my ducks in a row, which I always do because I'm such a planner. How, in styling, though, how you, you talk about nailing it, how do how does a stylist or you how do you know when you nail it? Is it when pictures come out and they're well received in the press? How do you know? Or is it just you look gorgeous in that or you, you look amazing? And I already know whether whatever happens when you go out and it's already going to be all gravy. Like, what is it for you that you're like, that's the reaction I was looking to get? Well, I think every stylist has a different type of thing that drives them a different perspective. A lot. I feel like they go into it with the mentality of they like the glitz, they love the glamour, they're obsessed with the designers, the aesthetic, and every designer has a different aesthetic, a different artistry to create garments. You'll know, like Ralph Lauren cuts a suit very different than Armani or vice, you know what I'm saying? Like all these different designers have very specific ways of, of making beautiful garments. Uh, and there's an appeal to that. That's not what does it for me. That's not what like, I don't know, makes me tick. Uh, what really does it for me and when I feel like I won or I'm doing well is I look at styling as such a transformative process. It's very psychological. So when I go into a fitting with someone and 
I want them to feel so good about themselves and feel confident. And unfortunately, this industry breeds insecurity. And how could it not? You're getting rejected all the time. Even when you do make it, you're going to end up kind of hating yourself a little bit because you're wondering yes, who should have made yes. it over you. It's yes. a really tough business, yeah. you know, <laughs> Just keep shooting you straight on that one, but you get it. So that being said, they come into fittings with me and they are my number one priority is making sure they have confidence and they feel good. And what do you want to portray to the world? If you, you know, want to be taken a little bit more seriously, uh, you want more serious roles, how can we style you in a way that's still on brand for you, but also sends a great message to the public about direction you want to go? Um, I had someone who was going out for the People versus OJ. That was a big show, Ryan. Oh, Murphy yeah. Show. I love that show. Yeah. So she wanted to book a role and she was going to these events and she's like, I'm, I'm going to be in the room with a lot of these uh, casting agents and directors. Make me look like a lawyer, but not a lawyer. But you know what I mean? And I was like, cool all right, lawyer, yeah. a, cool, a cool mom. <laughs> sexy yeah. lawyer. Yeah. yeah, Sexy lawyer. <laughs> uh, so we kind of went in that more uh, style direction. So I guess the win for me is seeing them light up and feel confident and going from that place of like, oh, God, I'm so nervous to go on a, a red carpet with all these HD cameras. And they're going to be taking a million photos of me and showing every flaw that I already think I have. That's really, and by the way, both male and female celebrities, they all go through it. It's not like just a female problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's, also, I think men more so sometimes than females, what they go through mentally. Because at least with my female clients, they're like, we've got the spanks, we've got the cutlets, we got, you know, we can nip, tuck, suck, and pluck. We're going to just make them ready to go. There's a lot of products available to get a person dressed. Yeah. Sure, sure. Guys. Yeah, like, a, what is a guy? You got like a dick pad? You got a butt pad? What do you got? I mean, guys? well, Anything? I remember one one of my clients. He was bummed because he had filmed this role. It was like kind of a superhero vibe, and his body was in crazy shape. Like he was just like living, eats, breathes the gym. And then he went uh, on a little vacation, had some time off. You know, lived <laughs> a normal life. <laughs> to have that kind of a body, though, that's a complete lifestyle change. Like you, you can't oh. just have like a pizza night. You know, it's tough. Oh, I remember I worked, I was in class with uh, Joe Manganiello, the guy from True Blood. And, yeah. you know, like he, I remember when he got True Blood for the first time and he went into training and he was still coming to class and he would have to like, well, got to eat my protein right now. And it would just, yeah. he would just be shoveling pro and it didn't even look fun. It didn't even, he had like this really regimented thing, but he was, he got known for his body for that, you That's know, but he thing. had to keep that up, you know? To this day, he's still known for his body. Yeah. He books a lot of roles because of that. But that being said, you know, if you took a little hiatus and came back and didn't have that quote unquote perfect body that he's used to. So that's what happened with my client. So we ended up, I took like cutlets and cut him into like pectorals because he's like, my chest isn't like built up right now. And so we kind of had to like fake it for him to go on this carpet. He, he wanted to look like built. So we threw him in some spanks. You know what I mean? Like spanked him up, put the little pectoral. So it looks like his chest was like, you know, built up. Oh my God. Is there spanks for men with pectoral spanks? No, I added those in. God, you're Uh, a genius. Yeah. But they do have spanks for guys now, which is great because now, you know, guys, if they, you know, feel a little bloated or something like they can throw on some spanks and feel fine. I think the stigma around it is slow. Like with the new generation, I think people are getting over that. So a long answer to your question. That's the high. That's what keeps me coming back for more. I don't really care what the press or if the, the outfits will receive, okay. no matter what, like there's going to be people who love it. And there's going to be people who are like, that's not my outfit. That's I don't love that. So I can't go based on what critics are saying about a particular look. Uh, I, that doesn't really do anything for me. 
I know it's a, a, a win or a home run based on the fitting experience and knowing how that person feels. And that's it for me. I know this might be a remedial question and I want to get to the podcast here in a sec, but uh, like take us through something like I, I, when I used to coach actors all the time, I, I kind of realized the mistake at first I was doing was trying to get them all to act a certain way for a part. And then I realized like you were talking about, I, I had to start paying attention to what their special sauce is and yeah. like, how can I inject what they're bringing into this part instead of me trying to jam some idea that might not fit them. Um, it sounds like you might be a lot of the same way with, with your work is uh, if you could like take us through, like if Caitlin came to you for the first time, do you sit down and do you talk to that person? Do you just get a vibe? What, what, what yeah. do you do for each individual client when they come? Caitlin's a perfect example. Oh, and we've become best friends. Oh, you guys, guys, you got to listen to the episode sister. with Caitlin. It was like, it was just, it was like being a fly on the wall to one of the best, like kind of like the hangs you guys have on like soft couches while you're watching TV and you're just bullshitting in between commercial breaks. That was like the, the convert and that's the best conversations. The you comfort level is insane yeah. with us. Yeah. We we're like family at this point, but when I went into the relationship with Caitlin as a stylist, I started as her stylist and then we, developed into a amazing love affair friendship. Um, Sorry, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love Jason too. I'm drinking the Tardic Kool-Aid. He's, oh my God. I didn't <laughs> he's expect almost that too perfect. To yeah. Oh, he's great. I adore did him. You, wait, did you watch the uh, wedding, uh, the engagements on uh, The Bachelorette where they filmed the engagements? Oh, when he, when he asked her out, they filmed that and they put it on The Bachelorette. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I was so excited. I, she I, was pissed. She was just in like a regular T-shirt. I know she was, but I was like, Caitlin, that's so on brand for you. That's perfect. Like that's your comfort zone. Like you're being uh, proposed to in something that you feel the most comfortable in. But when I went into the first initial fitting with Caitlin, she had just come off of a worse dressed. You have no style. The press was kind of just like giving her shit <laughs> because she had gone to the country music awards, the CMAs. And I remember she wore a dress, which... I didn't think it was bad. It was cute, but it was like an off the rack. I think she got it from like, I don't know, Urban Outfitters or something, <laughs> you know, which, hey, whatever works for you. But the country music awards are like the Oscars of country music. So people really turn up and they, they dress pretty like black tie, red carpety. So she got worse dressed and she was bummed about it. So then the next year she's like, "Lo, that's why I want to hire you. Would you style me for it? I was like, absolutely like challenge accepted. My goal is that was the first time that I was like, I'm going to get you on every best dress list queen. Don't you worry. Which guys folks, summer is just around the corner. So it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces. I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because quince has all the seasonal must haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30 performance polos and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's your old friend, Ryan. You did not start the pot over again. It is commercial time, but also a commercial for a brand that I am proud to represent, and that is Dame. So we've talked about on this show before that we should definitely seek out what's right for us, not compromise on what is most important. Now, our relationships, they should add value to our lives, especially in the bedroom, right? So why don't we think the same way about our sex toys? Now, Dame Products, this is why this company is cool. It is a women, a woman-owned sex toy company. They're making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. I've said vulva way too many times already. So it's founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz. Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you. They're closing the pleasure gap and helping the world one vulva at a time. So their vibrators and accessories are made with medical grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from the New York Times, W Magazine, and many more. So whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost where it matters or on a journey of self-exploration, which is a very valid journey, by the way, and everybody should have a journey of self-exploration at some point. But we are sure here at So Bad It's Good that they will earn a spot on your nightstand. Now, I personally recommend the Ava. It's a couple's vibrator giving you clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. It's flexible wings tuck under your labia for a snug fit. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Listen to that, okay? Like, really, 60 days Satisfaction guaranteed. That's a huge thing, hassle-free returns. So go to dameproducts.com, D-A-M-E products.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Again, go to dameproducts.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Even if you don't buy something, folks, go use my little www address and see if you like something on there. You never know, right? You never know. And I will tell you the last time that this commercial uh, was on uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple people bought products and they said they're really good. And I, I, I have a product um, that I guess, guess I'm waiting for the uh, right person to break it in with. <laughs> fake it in with but you guys this is the real deal this is a real company they seem to be doing it the right way and i think it's really cool that a woman uh founded this and then it's run by women you can't have better than that women know what women want so okay i have talked about this way too much mom if you're listening i got you one too mom get <laughs> back to sophie she did it was great she got best dressed and, and she felt incredible but i went into the first initial fitting with caitlin saying okay what are your likes what are your dislikes yes. when it comes to styling? Uh, what kind of image, you know, or direction do you want to go in, in the press? Like, what do you want to put out there? It's like your book cover. 
you know, that's kind of an example or a movie cover of, you know, and then of course, once people are invested, then they get to read your book. Uh, but what do you want to put out there, Caitlin? And she's like, I'm a girl from Canada. I'm I'm not high maintenance and I like to be comfortable and I like to be a little bit of a badass and I love a little leather moment and I love 90s references. And so we just broke it all down. I developed mood boards for her, colors that would complement her. Her hair at the time was blonde, that sort of thing. And then we went into the first fitting. And yeah, I over-prepared because that's what I do. Uh, I, just to be safe to cover my ass, I'll bring more than enough options. And, and then we just tried stuff on and that was our first fitting. And it was so fun. We drank wine. She tried stuff on that she'd never tried before. You know, some people go into it saying like, I hate a specific color or I would never wear this type of dress, but then I get them out of their comfort zone a little bit and they might end up loving it. So that's how much risk is involved. Um, I mean, I know they, I mean, like on your end, do you take risks in what you recommend? Do you play it safe? I mean, like, I don't know. Are there, I mean, they always talk about fashion risks. Is that a real thing or is that a fallacy? I think it's a bit of a fallacy. I mean, everything is a fashion risk. Even if you just wore like a simple black outfit, you look like you're going to a funeral or, you know, a guy rocks all black. It's like, yeah, he looks like a Zara employee, which is fine. <laughs> but you know, like that's a risk. You're taking that risk, bruh. You know, or for my female clients, I think, yeah, it's, there's risks in everything that you do, especially with fashion, but I think fashion is freedom. So I'm like, do what you want to do. And the only thing that's very important to me is do whatever you want to do. Let's have fun with it. But I think that silhouette is very important. So as long as it's flattering, then we can do whatever we want. And that, that matters to me. It doesn't matter to some people. Uh, some people like to wear like big oversized shapes and, and, that's a very specific client who dresses and it's almost like wearing costumes at that point. Have you ever seen that where it's like, there's no shape to the dress. It's just like a giant tent or something like that. Like there's a oh, lot yeah. of fabric. It's a burka yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, that's a vibe. Uh, sure. Do what you want to yeah, do. What, I mean, did, what did you think of Kim and Kanye's outfits for the uh, listening party this past week? Did you oh, see her see leather? Oh, she, she wore this like gimp outfit where it was like leather uh, and it was like zip zipper holes for the eyes and uh, Kanye wore this. And I think it was like bolsing. Uh, it was like a really big fat, but it was like had black oh spikes. Oh, it was wow. like wild. He looked like a, uh, like an umpire outfit, but like scarier. It was yeah, really like bizarre. A futuristic alien umpire. Yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Take the risk. I always like a flattering silhouette, but if you want to show your body or you want to be like wearing sausage casing dresses, Kim K loves a good <laughs> tight moment. She's literally been like sewn into dresses before. Yeah. But I'm like, good for her. A lot of my clients, they want comfort. I have a few that are like, I don't care if I'm uncomfortable. I just want it to look incredible. Uh, so it just depends on the person. But silhouette really matters to me. And again, whatever the silhouette is that flatters you the most. Let's highlight. So Caitlin loves her legs, for example, or her clavicle bone. That's like a thing for her. She likes to show the clavicles, you know, like her chest area. So we'll do. Uh, like a low v-neck or something like that and more of my silhouettes for her the way her dresses are cut um she prefers that neckline or you know like that sort of thing i take into account do you have a proudest moment in your work so far where you're just like i busted my like i mean just like i'm so proud of this look or this this moment or what i think what when that? i have like there's been like some music videos which are always nuts because there's so many looks and it's so intense and there's always a small budget and it's just a lot of work and they're so fun and creative. That's why I like to do them, but they don't pay like they used to. 
you know, that's just an industry standard. It's like a very low budget. Because music videos, you know, we don't have well, MTV anymore, right? Exactly. And just the way people are like cranking out videos and content these days is like now people, you know, they some people still like really turn up and like put in the work for a music video, but it's just few and far between. Uh, because artists are just dropping songs left and right. So they, they need like five videos, you know, yeah. coming out uh, all within like a month. Uh, but to pull something like that off is pretty cool. And I've pulled off a, a bunch of videos. I'm like, how did that even happen? I can't, I didn't sleep for three days and we made this happen or, or even getting, uh, I remember who was it? I had a, a client and it was, she's a celebrity, but she was getting married and we had to fly her dress in last minute. And yeah. I had a seamstress there sewing her into her dress the day of her wedding. Like those type of moments are so intense, but they always, well, for the most part, end up great. And I'm just like, wow, I'm so proud of this. You know, this is a win. I can't believe we pulled this off. Well, I just thought of this. I mean, you, I mean, you grew up watching like Rachel Zoe project, uh, project. Why? I mean, why is the low Von Roof uh, reality show? When's that coming? Would you do something like that? No, but I mean, you have this amazing personality. You have, uh, you're, you're building your, I mean, like, would you ever do something like that? I would be down. Yeah. I actually, uh, I've talked to a couple different producers that have wanted to do something cool and, I remember one was like around like glam squads and I was like, they kind of wanted to be more drama. I, my life is messy, but it's not drama filled. I'm just dealing with like my past traumas. I don't need more drama. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yes. I think they wanted me to be like a bitchy stylist. And I was like, oop, like wrong door. That's I love me. people that try to like uh, stereotype every, like that's the other thing that Hollywood always gets wrong is that they still make the mistake of trying to stereotype everybody instead of yeah. just going like, what does this person have? And that's usually when you can like tell the truth as an artist or a person, that's where the most success lies, you know? I think they wanted me to be a little, um, I hate the word, but they wanted me to be sassy. I'm spicy. I'm not sassy. I'm not a bitch. I'm honest. You know what I mean? There's a big difference. So like, I'm down to keep it real. And like, I'll tell you how I feel, but I'm not going to like rip someone to shreds or be just a like bitchy. No stylist. That's not my vibe. So that was one show that I, I ended up not doing, but uh, I know Caitlin has talked about maybe doing a show together. Uh, maybe we'll do something fun. So yeah, in the future, who knows? That would be awesome. I'd love well, to do that. So I was thinking of like, uh, do you have like, th- there are certain images that I grew up, uh, I grew up in Kansas, but I was like fascinated with the Oscars and, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight dude, but I, I still loved that kind of glamour thing or watching red carpets. Are there moments through the ages that stick out in your head, you know, Hell whether, yeah. yeah. Like, are there things that Absolutely. you always, that like Julia Roberts, Valentino black dress. Come on. Like, oh, took my breath away. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's certain, or Halle Berry winning her Oscar, you know, or, like yeah. there, there are these beautiful moments in red carpet history, whatever. And yeah, the, the glamour of it all is, it's such a small little nugget. It's like 1% of the actual industry. That's the, the lens that everyone gets to see, which is great. Uh, but leading up to it, there's, it's a shit storm leading to that point in time. But <laughs> yeah, the, the glamorous stuff, I've always been so drawn to it. I, I jokingly say I'm 31 years old, but I think mentally, and when people hear what kind of music I like or music or movies I reference, they always think I'm around like 76. Wait, what do you Uh, reference all the time? Oh, like I love like Engelbert Humperdinck. I love Tom Jones. Oh, Um, wow. Is that unusual? Ryan, make uh, sure you do a Tom Jones mix for this. I always do mashups in the beginning. But yeah, yeah, like that's- uh, I love like Tom Jones, Elvis Presley. I grew up with the Carpenters. Uh, which is part of the reason why I got teased in school because I'm an only child. So my parents were listening to this stuff and I would all my, fr- or not friends, these, my 
kids in my class were listening to like TLC and Backstreet Boys. And I'm going in with the Carpenters. I'm going to get my ass kicked. Listen to Karen Carpenter. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean oh, God, my, my, my parents listened to nonstop like Michael Bolton and Kenny G. Like, oh, thinking, I, I was Michael like, oh, G's but great. now I'm like, you know, now like, oh, that's the Dying Young soundtrack. Like I was I heard that the other day. I was like, oh, that's from my parents listen to that all the time. Yeah, I thought it was when I was 12. I thought it was cool. You know, it was great. Amazing. Um, so uh, which leads into the podcast, I think, a little bit. And also yeah. you are becoming you know, not just a stylist, but I think kind of there's an influencer element in the sense that your <laughs> social media is kind of like blowing up a lot, lot more. You have the podcast, which I want to know how that started. But what do you think about influencer culture in general? Because we did grow up or at least I grew up with movie stars, TV stars, but I didn't grow up with influencers. I didn't this, I before social media. How much of influencer culture? I mean, are you around all the time? Because also, I think that's interesting that you are kind of a part of that in sure ways now, you know, guilty as charged. Yeah. I'm definitely part of it now, but the thing is, I think it's a toxic, terrible place on earth. I do. It's so <laughs> shitty. It's not, it's so bad. It's, it's uh, deep as a puddle. Come on now, the influencer world. But I think there's an upside to it. The good thing is like, if you were a nightmare to work with, or you're just not a good person, People didn't know. There were rumors that were spread about you. People would talk. But back then, come on, like, what is people going to write about it on MySpace? You know what I mean? Like, there's not as... The live journal was insane with this. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't as much access. But now I feel like people have access and they know who you are. And I I mean, unless you just choose not to be on social media, but even if you're not on social media, people are like, that's kind of weird. What are you hiding? Uh, Especially if you're in the public arena in any sort. Uh, like in and specifically entertainment. So that being said, I like that social media kind of like has like a spotlight on some of the bullshit that exists and, and people are being called out for it all the time, which is great. And when it comes to me with social media, oh my God, it's it'd be a tough place, especially for me in the industry, uh, looking left and right, seeing what other people are doing. And then you start to doubt yourself and with everything from the way you look to what your career's at to how much money you have. It's so wild to think about, like, I remember comparing myself to like kids in my class or like celebrities, I guess. That's all we compared ourselves to. And that was it. That's all we had access to. But now you can compare yourself to like another 31 year old in Switzerland and you can see what everybody's doing. Everybody's shit is out there. Everyone is comparing themselves constantly, which is terrible. So well, yeah, my niece and nephew are now comparing themselves to, to YouTubers, to yes. like YouTube celebrities and like the Paul brothers and all that, you know, when it's like, you know, back in my day, I was like trying to be like Tom Hanks or somebody. And now like, you know, I can't even specify really what Logan Paul or Jake Paul really does, you know, but they're right. insanely they're famous rich. and rich, you know? Yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, when it comes to social media, I've been very careful in the way that I put myself out there. Uh, because, well, I am and I'm not because I'm very uncensored, but I think that's what people like. People yeah. appreciate just me being a mess and being authentic. So, for example, most stylists, if you follow them, they'll show a lot of like the glamorous stuff, Beverly Hills, I'm going to Gucci, Chanel, and it's like red carpets. And it just feels so fancy and elevated. And it's all bullshit. It's not the truth. So I'm over here showing my ass, sweating it up while I'm steaming a rack of clothes. And I'm telling people like, this is what I'm going through today. I'm just very open about stuff. And I think that is why uh, I have listeners uh, with my podcast and, and people who follow me that actually enjoy it because yeah, there's some glamorous moments, but like I'm taking you on the roller coaster ride with me if you're interested. And 
I think people are just because if you keep it real, it's refreshing. How wild to 2021 that uh, refreshing is just being honest and real. Like that's what's cutting edge these days. And it's, it's ref- <laughs> and by the way, and that's refreshing that it's almost that, that thank God people like the refreshing. Like, it's like, oh, that's refreshing that we're actually back to that point to find refreshing, interesting, because if not, I'm out of a job. Um, but like, yeah. you know, because there's so many stylists out there, but I imagine what mm. makes you different is, is that you are you, you can actually, uh, you have a point of view. You are coming from a certain place. Is that how the podcast started? Was it your idea or did somebody go, hey, I've worked no, with you. I love even, this. I love you. You got to do this. It wasn't my idea at all. I always kind of, I always wanted to kind of do something like that because I, I I love being on people's podcasts. But actually, speaking of Caitlin Bristow, uh, she has a very successful podcast. Yeah, Off, Off the Vine. Vine. Yeah. And I love it. I'm a, I'm a Vino. I love listening to her. And uh, one of my other girlfriends, Arielle Vandenberg, who's hilarious. Yes. She hosts Love Island. Uh, she's a client and friend and one of my closest friends. And she was like, do you want to do a podcast with me? And I was like, sure. She's like, you can co-host. And so we did one. It's called the Only Child Podcast. And that was like my start of podcasting uh, with Arielle. I had done a few little guest appearances on other people's, uh, but that was the first time that I was like, oh, we're shooting every Wednesday or, you know, recording every Wednesday. And then Caitlin would have me on hers all the time. I've done like, I don't know, 20 something episodes with Caitlin on Off the Vine. And she's like, "Lo, these episodes are doing really well. People, people really love you on the pod. Will you come back and do another episode with me? I'm like, sure. So we would just shoot the shit and do these great interviews. Or, I mean, I hate to say interviews. We'd have these great conversations. Yeah. And it was actually the listeners from the Only Child podcast, the listeners that I've gotten on different shows and then like referrals almost. And then the Vinos that they were basically like, Lo, you should do your own show. And Caitlin's like, you're stupid if you don't. This is something that I think you were meant to do. So just jump in, love, just do it. And I, <laughs> I put it off and I was like, the pandemic's happening. I'm like, no, not yet. I, it's not the right time. There's never a right time. I'm going to wait till after this pandemic. Which Literally, is- I was, that's what I was thinking. Cause I was like, I don't want to record in the darkness of my closet. It was like traumatic for me to even come out of that damn closet. You're going to shove my ass back in. <laughs> Screw that. No, but everybody I knows would, you get the best sound in your closet. You guys, that's just a, that's an industry fact. In podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went back into the closet, got my microphone out and started recording. And surprisingly, cause my expectation was zero expectation for it to do well. I was like, I hope my parents download it and a few friends and we'll see where it goes. Uh, but this community is kind of developed from it of low lifers. Uh, that's what I call my listeners. And yeah, the low life was born and it's kind of just turned into this, Thing that's pretty cool, pretty fun to be part of. It really of. is. And I mean, by the way, like, and if you hear that, like, I was, I was like, you got such a great voice too, because you like, you dip into these kind of baritone notes. Which, I mean, yeah. I know this is geeking out, but I like love, you know, I think part of the podcasting is really falling in love with voices, you know, voices that yeah. you can like keep coming back to. And I think that is amazing. And I was just like, oh, this guy's been doing this for years, obviously. Like when I started no. listening, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's wild. What I mean, I think it does like put another kind of arsenal or tool in your toolkit of like, okay, now I have this as well. Uh, Where do you, I mean, what's coming up on the pod? Where do you plan to go with this? I mean, I know you didn't plan on any of this. So as it starts getting more successful now, because we have listeners and sponsor, I'm like, whoa, this is happening. Holy shit. 
uh, which is so I know. Exciting. By the way, you guys, he, I, I heard his Amazon music commercial and he killed it. I had to do a commercial. I'm probably going to do it for this, uh, for Dame uh, um, uh, Lady Toys. I mean, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I mean, but I, I, you, you were very smooth with your Amazon. Oh, thanks. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, for coming from you, that says a lot because I'm obsessed with your voice and I think you have, I love your podcast too. I did a deep dive into it. So thank you for that. Well, thank um, you. Geez. Yeah, but I, I think when it comes to the pod, what's coming up for it? So are you familiar with Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, how can you, uh, the vagina smelling candle? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, that, like, yeah no, I totally, I, I, yes, Goop it up, yes. Okay, so same, love me some Goop. And I, I watched her Netflix series that yeah. was interesting. What a polarizing figure. I love me some Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, I think she's great, but people love to hate her as well. Oh my God. You're, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, I grew up with Gwyneth Paltrow, Shakespeare in Love, all of this stuff. And then she goes and turns it into this whole company and all that. But she gets... It's a lifestyle brand. She gets crapped on so much now. Like, I mean, I mean really. She, she sure does. I mean, at one point, I think she was voted like the most hated woman in America. <laughs> you know, but she's a, a white woman of privilege with wealth that comes from Hollywood royalty. And says know. bizarre things because she doesn't know any better. And says bizarre things and tries bizarre things. Some of those bizarre things are actually pretty freaking cool. So I'm interested in like exploring some of that goop life. So as I've been growing and, you know, going into my thirties and trying things out and I've met some very fascinating people, some interesting ones, some people slightly insane, some people brilliant. And I'm like, I have access. I've been in this godforsaken industry for over a decade and I've met some really interesting people, fascinating characters. Uh, so I kind of took the idea of like, okay, kind of a goop vibe for the low life podcast, but like not as bougie. Cause like the price point is going to be a little lower. So more like instead of goop, Let's call it, I don't know, like loop. Poop. Lo- loop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or poop. But you're, yeah, you're not bougie. I mean, you don't come off as bougie. So actually, no, I would want to take a good deal. <laughs> I would want to take lifestyle advice from you over Gwyneth Paltrow, you know? Yeah, sure. No offense, well, no offense Gwyneth, if you're listening. But I, I think that uh, Gwyneth's uh, hunger and curiosity for life and the way she explores different medicines or, or you know, different types of healing properties or diff- all that sort of thing. She goes into it. She talks about sexuality. So, on my podcast, I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing. It's just not that. <laughs> it's not her version. It's just my own perception and what I'm going through. Um, so I've taken the listeners on a literal journey. We talk about everything from skincare to sex life to uh, depression to past trauma to just navigating the day to career. We have you know millionaires that have made it that have come on and shared their story. So there's always a takeaway. And I think that's the thing with your podcast too. You're always going to leave with something, feeling something, which is so important. I mean, that's the goal. And like, that's what I love about you. Yeah. So you're a mental health advocate, which I, oh, I yeah. think of myself. I mean, I, I deal with depression and, and I talk about it very openly and honestly, yeah. and I know you do as well. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't think of doing anything other than that. Like, you know, like yeah. I mean, I'm try, it's like, I want to figure this out and I want to have like people go along with me for that journey of like, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Or this is how I feel. And I realize a lot of people feel the same exact way that we do sometimes, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, the grass is always greener, but I think especially right now in the age of social media to be a voice of like, this is what I'm going through. And also, I mean, I think you and I are similar in this way. 
my default setting is vulnerability. My default setting is just being open and oversharing. I almost have to rein myself in. Yep. yep. So it's kind of perfect. If you put a microphone in front of me, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Uh, I'm about to share it all and tell you how I'm feeling and just be completely transparent. And that secret sauce of just that default setting of being vulnerable and transparent and super honest, it, it works great for the podcast space. And now what I'm realizing is with my clients, I'm still getting new clients because yeah, people want like that fancy stylist or whatever. And sure, I like a good, I don't know, Chanel moment, whatever. But at the same time, now I think my new clients that I've started to get, like Olivia uh, Applegate, for example, yeah, um, she's like, you just seem like a really nice person. And I'd, I'd love for like a nice person that's so honest just to be part of my team. And she's like, because I know the styling is already handled. Like, you're great. Like, we've established that. We can see your book. It's great. But now I think in today's day and age, people want to know that you're going to be easy to work with. What kind of energy are you going to bring into their camp? A lot of these celebrities have toxic camps. So you need to be a light in this world. You know, you don't want to bring your drama or ego. We talk about that all the time in acting. And like, do you want to be on a set with somebody for three months that's constant drama, bringing negative energy? Or do you want to be on set with somebody that gets their job done, is nice, respects people, and you know what's going to go around? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of plays into it too. So I think the podcast has been not, I mean, I literally came out on my podcast to like my family members. So that was, it was terrifying to do that. I did an episode and I talked about being gay and I had had that conversation with specific family members. Uh, and I was like, well, they're hearing it now. And then the next episode was like anal episode. Like, shit. <laughs> you, you really uh, ripped that band, you ripped that bandaid off. Yeah, like, we have like a sex therapist <laughs> come on. I'm like, oh my God, like we're really going there now. But to that have is the an, cool thing, like to real, and also to realize that your audience will go with you on that journey. They almost oh, want it, to go with you on that journey. I lost you know? my dog on the journey. Uh, we did an episode, and I decided to bring the recording equipment into my uh, psychology session the day after my dog had died, and I was a mess. But I, I was very. Uh, I think the word is weary, wary. I always confuse the two. I think it's, I was very weary. I think you can go both ways. Wary. Wary of, um, I was wary of bringing the audio equipment into the actual psychology session because I was about to like pour it all out. And I did. And the episode ended up being something that connected with a lot of people. I didn't realize a, a lot of people were losing pets. A lot of people were going through depression and hurting and grieving. And there's a lot of shame associated with losing a pet, for example, because it's not a human. Uh, so there's that kind of weird stigma with it. Uh, but I would, I said on my podcast, like, I would rather have lost a cousin. I would give up a family member to bring my dog back. Like there's a few family members on the list I would cut out to bring my little dookie, the pug back. Yeah. Uh, which sounds sad to say, but it's my <laughs> truth. <And laughs> you got to live your truth. Yeah, You got to live your truth. And I want my pug back. So yeah. like things like that opening up, I think people have, have uh, received it pretty well. And it's, it's turned into a very safe, kind community, which I'm. Yeah. That's what I try to for. do as well as like, I, yeah. I want to try to be a positive community rather than a toxic one, even though my sense of humor is very dark. I wanted to, but I mean, uh, how did the pan as we start wrapping up, cause this has gone way too quick. So hopefully you'll come back on again. Um, how did the pandemic affect your business? I mean, I know you were able to probably do the podcast. Like I was very, a lot easier, but how did it affect styling? How did it affect all of that stuff, uh, over the last year and a half? I mean, it had to have affected your whole life too. I mean, even just dating or anything like all across the board. Yeah. I didn't have sex for about not, no, 12, yeah, a year. 
yeah, 12 months a year. I'm going on 36 years now. I mean, it's just been hard, the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) So no sex and also no work for me. Uh, I'm actually fine being abstinent. I'm good with that. Especially like, I didn't want to have sex anyway. I was like so freaked out that I was going to get, you know, Rona. I didn't want yeah. COVID. <laughs> that is that, you know what I mean? Like you can get and, that through sex. Yeah. And every time I feel like that urge, I just masturbate. And then I'm like, okay, the feeling's gone. I know who I am. I know. Isn't that, that's the stupidest thing about sex is that once that feeling's gone, it's gone. Like it's like a yeah, fleeting feeling that brain. once, yes, it's like, it's get the poison out, you know? <laughs> exactly. So I had that covered with my hands. Then the next problem was my career, which completely went away. Um, there was no styling work. The industry completely froze, as most did. I'm not saying it in a way like, oh, poor me. Everyone's, a lot of industries, uh, you know, went in complete shutdown mode. So I wasn't styling anyone for a while. I, I started to get gigs as uh, they started to do uh, Zoom meetings. So like they'd have uh, someone doing like Good Morning America and they would be in their home live Zoom from the house. So I would dress them for that. But even doing that wasn't doing a fitting. I was dropping clothes off or having a messenger to someone's house. They'd go through them and we'd do a fitting via Skype or via Zoom. It was just a very weird experience. And those gigs were not coming in full throttle. I, yeah. I basically had to rely on my savings and also just had to, you know, things were a little, it's a, one of the lean years, you know, how to play it smart. And that's just what happens. I'm a planner. So I've already actually was kind of already expecting the world to end. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I always think that when my business managers, like you've been planning for the apocalypse for yeah, a while Yeah, it's Y2K. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really though. That's I think part of it. I remember yeah. that so vividly. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. So I think because of that, I did have, thank God, a little nest egg. So I didn't have to lose like my home. And I know a lot of stylists had to go back to wherever they originally came from and had to shut down their businesses, but I kept everything afloat, you know, minus my style studio. I didn't need that. So I didn't need to pay that rent, but yeah, it, it slowed down. But I will say, even though it was the most painful year in the sense of losing my best friend, my dog and, and losing my business froze over and those things, it was also like the greatest year of my life because so much learning happened. Yeah. And, and I have, and the crazy thing about the whole thing is I have it all recorded live on a podcast. Like, yeah. so that's kind of, it's like my live journal uh, to go through. Yeah, that no, process. I mean, I, I have my parents on all the time. I have my, oh, I, like, someday I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, maybe listen to these back and I'll have actually yeah. this kind of audio scrapbook what of pieces of my life. Yeah. I was just talking about that with reality shows. Like I always have reality stars there and I'm like, isn't it wild that you have like a really well lit, even if you were like fighting and flipping over a table on some housewife, you still have these other moments. I was talking to a housewife who had lost her dad. And I was like, you have these moments with your dad, these beautiful wow. moments with your dad. And she was just like, it is one of the best things about being on reality uh, shows because there's a lot of bad things that go, go along with sure. it. Sure. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I, I'm so happy I have those little memories. And with what I realized was with the pandemic, I was go, 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 hustle mode, grind. I've been doing that for, you know, the last decade. And my value and what I saw in life was working my ass off. I come from a family of minorities, immigrants. So, I, you know, the hustle mode's real for me. Uh, but I realized when I wasn't in hustle mode, I didn't feel value for myself. So then I was like, shit, I feel literally worthless right now because I'm not doing red carpets. I'm not constantly busy looking at two cell phones, managing clients. Well, now I'm just stuck with myself. And I don't know if I like the company I'm keeping right now. 
I don't like myself. So I did a lot of work on that. And I was like, yeah. now my value, I, I'm like, shit, I'm cool being in a room with me. I, I enjoy me now. You're but indestructible. Me- you, I mean, you're indestructible. That's what like building your toolkit is all about, about like learning. To- yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, like, I think that's a pandemic. We all had to learn to live with ourselves like 24 yes. seven and that's damn hard, you know? And, um, and then also find value in not working, not accomplishing anything like that. And I was like, okay, I, finding your purpose, not to sound all Ted talky on here. No, but, I love you know, it. I love it. But yeah. Finding your purpose somewhere else. And it does exist for everybody somewhere else. It's not just lined with work. And that was my problem. And the last thing you talked about your, 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 your culture, your heritage, how often does that uh, play? I mean, like representation and what you do, yeah. I mean, is that, is that mean something to you? Everything. Uh, yeah, everything. And that's also like a coming to Jesus moment. I used to hide the fact that I'm super Hispanic. I'm, I'm a freaking little beaner baby over here. And like, <laughs> I, I was self-conscious about it because the industry, eh, it, it's a tough industry. And I mean, uh, I will say this much. I have the last name Von Rumpf. It's fleeting. You know, people are always like, what are you? Like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. Your situation. <laughs> um, but I think I finally got comfortable in my own skin and really embraced the fact that, yeah, I'm Hispanic um, and super Hispanic and I'm very proud of it. And it's kind of nice to have a little spice added to the industry. My clients love it. I I cook about, uh, I, I cook often. I talk about all the foods that I grew up with. I make them all the time. And if you follow me on the gram, um, you're definitely going to get some great recipes and stuff. So I've just thrown myself into the culture. And instead of like listening to Selena Quintanilla, who's like one of my favorite artists of all time, uh, you know, on the DL, I'm blasting her. I'm doing my playlist and I'm sharing it with the world. And I think people are embracing all different cultures. So yeah. why not? I'm, I'm super proud of where I come from. And even the fact that like, I come from, you know, like migrant farm workers, uh, not my parents, but my grandparents. Um, so my parents are second generation. Uh, but I, I used to also be really self-conscious about like, I didn't come from wealth, especially in this industry. Cause people all come from like money or Hollywood ties a lot do. Oh yeah. And the ones that don't, they don't really talk about it, you know, that much, unless you get to the point where you're like super rich and successful, then you're like, I'm so proud that I, you know, come from nothing, but, uh, to get cool in that space and comfortable with that. Now I'm actually inspired by the fact that I don't come from any of that type of privilege. And I, I, I actually, it motivates me and I actually love it. So yeah, I'm down for a little freaking fajitas and enchiladas. Well, this has been, this went way too quick and I could talk to you for hours, but that just shows how good he is at what he does. You guys, you got to go subscribe to his podcast called the low life. And what do we always say? We always say before you listen, you got to rate it five stars. It is basically, we do this like as a, I mean, you know, before we got paid for any of this, we did it all for free. And one of the best things yeah. that you can do, one of the freest things you can do is hit that five-star button and subscribe. I subscribe today and I'm really jazzed to actually follow the journey from here on out. And speaking of Caitlin, just real quick, I, yeah. I was watching, I had to watch that three hour bachelorette. I, oh, you, you're gonna, but, but also, I mean, if you see her, tell her congratulations, because what a cool year to make something. I, I mean, like that's such a tough job, what she had to do if take over for Chris Harrison. And, uh, and you were just mentioning like the age, cameras and all of that and like i'm sure there's so many things that go through her head having oh, to do all of that and she gets ripped and, apart all the time well, that's like, or even, but even me, i remember the beginning of the season i was like i miss chris harrison i don't know and then by the end you're like well you know what i say by the end you're like okay like she chris who well that she's already coming back next season with taisha and like that's awesome and she really 
she really did the damn thing. And I thought that yeah. was so cool. And that's just from uh, a grinder in Los Angeles, which we, we both are. It was really cool to see that work out. But uh, more importantly, The Low Life is the podcast that you need to subscribe to. You got to go to his Instagram, hit the follow button on that. I'm going to put that in the description as well. Uh, but Lo Von Rumpf, uh, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything oh else that we can support you with? No, I mean, that's the, the podcast. Yeah, if you, I can get any listeners that want to come head over to the Messy Waters shit show. Um, all aboard the Hot Mess Express. Wait, how famous podcast. do we have to be for you to work with us? How, how, I mean, <laughs> is it, is it a, is it, how do we work with you if for some a reason? A list only. No, yes. anyone. Yeah, anyone can. I I have a lot of private clients too uh, that are like business professionals and just people like living normal life that work at like hospitals and stuff. So I do, I do everybody. I do red carpet celebrities, but of course I have my private clients. So yeah, anyone and everyone is welcome. Uh, to get styled. Well, the- I want to get one of those uh, Spanx pec shirt you made. So uh, that's going to be. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I know. Hey, they work. I get it. I'm feeling a little bloated. Uh- Lo, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. Yeah. And honestly, I really do hope you'll come back sometime. Oh, yeah. I would love to do a little fashion segment or whatever. Yes. That's what we got to do. Yeah. There is something we could do really cool, actually. Okay. Yeah, um, perfect. Okay. We will talk to you next time then. Yeah. Sounds good. Betches.